Welcome and thank you for listening to this message from Legacy Church New Braunfels. To connect with us, go to LegacyNB.com. Now enjoy this message from Pastor Jay Miller. We're celebrating Cindy's book. It's amazing. Um, I want to encourage you guys, if you're planning on, uh, and, and this week we will actually release some emails uh, that we're going to be start opening registration for the School for Kingdom Advancement that will be starting up September uh, through our Kingdom Resource Center, but it'll be here at Legacy. One of the required readings is going to be the Motivated by Design, and we're going to do that in the first semester. So I encourage you to go buy it now, and so that way you can get it at the, uh, at the good rate, and, um, and you'll be ahead of the game once we get started. Now, it's my blessing to take the First Fruits Offering. It's the first Sunday of the month. It's something that we do every single month. Uh, not because it's a religious thing, but the Lord had said, celebrate it as a place of worship and then give people opportunities to give throughout the rest of the month. So you'll see the offering boxes, you can give online, you can text to give, all that wonderful stuff. And we're not up here saying, hey, make sure you give. What's been amazing is when we made that shift and said, we're going to talk about the heart of generosity rather than telling people uh, that they need to make sure they're doing something with their money, then the money came, resources come. And, And it's the same thing. Um, I could tell you to go love your wife or your husband, but if I go after the heart and say, but here's the heart of the Father, your heart gets transformed, and the fruit of that, the result of that is going to be, you're going to begin to love your wife as Christ loved the church. You're going to begin to love your husband in a new way. And so it's all about the heart. And so giving is very specifically in this area of the heart. But I was reading through Ephesians chapter 3, and I'm just going to read this to you real quick. And verse 14 This is where God took me to read for the offering. And by the way, if you need an offering envelope, would you go ahead and raise up your hands? Our ushers will come forward and hand one out, and you can begin to prepare your offering now. But uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 says this, For this reason I bend my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Let me hear you say every family. In heaven and on earth. Okay, we got about half the people going. So in heaven... And on earth. So understand that family is not just here for the earth. Family is an eternal thing. It's a kingdom thing. Okay? And so, and we derive our name from the Father. It says this, So that, you would, that, that God would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his Holy Spirit in the inner self so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the height, the depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to all the fullness of God. Isn't it interesting? We always say, well, come Holy Spirit. And, and, and we, we're looking for these encounter moments for God to support his spirit. And God's looking for habitation. The, 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 the prayer of Paul is that you would be filled to all the fullness of God. Jesus was filled with the fullness of God. We're called to live in the fullness of God. Notice it's God who fills us. Things don't fill us. People don't fill us. Jobs don't fill us. Hobbies don't fill us. Social media doesn't fill us. It's God himself. Verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. So when he took me this for the offering, I'm like, okay, Lord, that's not necessarily about offering. He goes, oh, but it is. Paul's pointing to this place that God would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power. 
What the Lord says in the offering today is the things that you might have been strengthened by when you have an economy that's going funky, not just here in the States, but across the planet, a lot of people get their strength from the the world's economy, right? This is why in Matthew it says this, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, where you're going to live. Those are all economical as much as their felt needs and real needs. It says, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And so what I really think is we're doing this, every time you give, it's an opportunity to say, I don't get my power and my strength from money. I don't get my power and strength from what's, what, what's coming in my bank account, the, the, the likes that I get on social media. I don't get my strength and my power even from my family that may give me a good word or encourage me. I first get my strength and my power from him. The Lord is, is actually in this place. I was, I was sharing with the worship team earlier and a few people this last week that I felt like when I went into the sabbatical um, and I was gone for a month and the Lord told me when I came back, it would actually be a new chapter. There's a new season that we're coming into. And so I said, okay. So I went into it, I rested, and, and it was really, really good. But there was certainly a turning of the page of the season. And, and here's what the season is. Last season, what was merciful and graceful, it, it gave somebody an opportunity to kind of hear the word about Christ, kind of play around with it, kind of try it out. There was a grace for that. There was a mercy for that. And certainly Jesus has always taken people through a process. But what I sense in the shifting was is what was mercy in the previous season is actually unacceptable tolerance now. It's a strong word. I want to encourage you, though. This is an encouraging word. The Lord is actually increasing his spirit. He's actually increasing. He's pouring his Holy Spirit out in greater measures because in in a previous season, you might have gotten your strength from other things. And he's saying, I so take seriously, seek my rule and reign over anything else, that I'm actually removing now some of the mercy and the grace that was there for you to play patty cake with old things. And to a certain extent, it's going to force us to make some decisions, right? And I think it's in this area of finances and money is one of the top things. I heard also sex, sexuality, uh, lust, things like that. There's a shift. There's a toleration to a certain extent in this previous season who people were kind of like, man, I, I, I look at pornography here and there and it never Nothing, I never get caught, stuff like that. Well, there was a grace that God had to say, hey, I don't want to ruin your life just because you're acting immature. But the pages turned. He's saying, make a decision. To whom today are you going to serve? It feels like a Joshua moment. If you understand the story of Joshua, that, that Joshua, they, they, they get into the promised land, and he's laying it out at the end of his life. They've won the promised land. And at the tail end of, the, of his life, he, he brings all of Israel before him, and he begins to read the law and begin to talk about the old covenant. It wasn't about legality. It was about covenant, right? That God is not all about legality. He's about covenant that actually has legal authority inside of your life. But it's all about covenant. It's all about relationship. And so Joshua brings the people of Israel before him, and he reads it through, and he says this, Now, choose whom today that you're going to serve. As for me and my family, we're going we're gonna to choose to follow. We're going to seek after the Lord with everything we've got. But you've got to make a decision on whom you're going to serve. Um, had a conversation earlier today, actually, with somebody. 
And, and, and it was a conversation about confronting some stuff about rebellion. I said, look, you have to submit to authority at some point. And he's like, oh, I don't, nobody rules me. I go, well, if you are trying to rule you, what you understand is there's demons that are bigger than you. And if you don't submit to God, you're actually opening the door for demonic influence that will run your life. Because Matthew 6.33 Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Jesus is a kind and merciful king, but in his loving kindness, I just feel it all over me with this thing, that in his loving kindness, he's saying, I actually believe in my people enough to say they can grow up and live it out. And what he's going to do is he's actually going to release. Look at the rest of this verse. It says this, so that he would grant to you all according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Holy Spirit in your inner self, in your will, in your mind, in your emotions, in the desires that you have. Listen to this. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to finally comprehend how big God's love is for you. His mercy will remove options so that the only option you have is his mercy and his grace or rejection. If we reject him, we're actually accepting something that's separation from him. And so I just feel like the Lord wants you to increase in love. He wants to increase so you understand the width and the depth, the height and the depth. He strengthens you inside. But it's going to require you to say this, Lord, I give everything to you. Money, my family, I mean, I'm sending a daughter to college here in a couple weeks. It's like, I'm like, Lord, just like, like uh, Hannah, Samuel's mom, Lord, I'm giving them to you. I'm giving her to you. I'm giving all my kids. Like, I'm, I've given them all everything because I don't get my identity as a father of children. I don't get my identity as a husband of Kelly. I don't get my identity as a pastor of a church or an apostle in a region. I don't get my identity from any of that. I get my identity from Jesus. So therefore, anything he gives me, I can freely give it away. So if you're ready to bring your offering forward, why don't you go ahead and stand up with me? We're going to pray over this. And I'm, a, I'm just going to release this quick declaration from that verse 20. So if you have your offering, you can lift up in your hand. If you gave online, you can lift up your phone. So, Jesus, we come and we make a declaration that there's nothing else that gives us strength or power. There's nothing else that, that feeds our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. It's you and you alone. If you don't provide, we're not looking to make things happen. We know, though, you provide. And so would you just release, Lord God, as we release this to you, would you release, Lord God, a blessing upon every single person? And I just say, now to you, Jesus, who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we can ask, think, or imagine, according to the power that works within us through your Holy Spirit, to you, Jesus, be the glory in this church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So if you want to bring up your offering, we have these baskets, or you can drop them in the back. So if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to open up the one passage of Scripture today. It's going to be Acts chapter 19. I encourage you, it's okay to use an electronic Bible. I encourage you, though, also make sure you have a paper Bible. I'm excited. I've got a new one coming in today. 
but Acts chapter 19. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read through just the first 20 verses, and then I'm just going to kind of pull this thing apart as we walk through. I believe what I've kind of already released you, there's a turning of the season, and I see what the Lord is doing specifically as an example in Acts chapter 19. So how many people understand that Paul uh, was a Jew amongst Jews. He could teach the law forwards and backwards, yet the Lord says, I'm not going to take your greatest strength to go speak to the Jews. I'm actually going to send you to the Gentiles, the people that don't know God from a hole in the wall, right? So all your, all your lineage of, of your degrees and stuff like that would have actually given you favor with the Jews. It won't matter because the, the, the Gentiles aren't going to care, you know, what type of degree you have. And so it was just the reliance that Paul had. It, it taught him a reliance not on his own strength, but also on the strength of God. And, and so I think it was that, though, that Paul also had a level of stubbornness to him. Uh, he had a level of grit. Let me hear you say grit. Uh, I think grit is not a bad thing. We need to actually develop grit as a people. Uh, we need to develop a little bit of perseverance because um, the world itself is still in darkness, I mean, people notice that lately, right? You just have to turn on Disney and you'll notice it's in darkness, right? You, you can hear all the stuff that's out there, politics, it's in darkness. It shouldn't be a surprise that it's in darkness. The Bible actually talked about it thousands of years ago that said, you know, there will be darkness that covers the earth. But arise and shine for your light has already come, meaning Jesus came, he was our light, we became the light of the world, and now light is actually rising even though darkness is still out there. And so there's, there's a lot of things that are going on in our planet that actually need a kingdom solution um, from it. And I didn't know where I was going with that. So Holy Spirit, you're going to have to help me with that one. But Paul, grit, that's where I was going with this thing. So it requires grit. You can know the righteousness of God. You can know the right things. You can understand morality, right? It, what other people are supposed to do. And, and when, it, when they don't do it, it's going to require a level of perseverance inside of your heart, a little bit of grit. And so when Paul goes to the church at Ephesus, actually there wasn't a church at Ephesus yet. Ephesus was a port city. It was actually like New York City. It, it would have been the opening into Greece where there was actually multiple temples, pagan temples that were set up there. Um, and it was, it was like the New York uh, of today there. But it, what it really meant was is that there was pagan worship, uh, which actually empowered demonic spirits at a level that we probably wouldn't understand in the Bible Belt, okay? And, and this is the thing, like if you went, have ever gone to a Hindu temple, you could, it's a different spirit and atmosphere in a Hindu temple because there's worship of false gods that are in that place, and it actually changes up the atmosphere when you walk in. It's not a bunch of Bible-believing Christians who are kind and nice and saying, bless you, right, when you walk in. It's, it's a different thing. This is who Paul goes to when he's in Greece, when he goes to Ephesus, and he finds those some believers. And so I just want to kind of pick up at this place, Acts chapter 19. While Paulus was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, he asked them. No, they replied, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. It's kind of interesting. It sounds like a lot of churches in America today. They know Jesus. They're believers. They're going to heaven. There's no doubt about it, but they've never been told that the Holy Spirit's active and alive. 
And I just want to say this, is that there's going to be increase in the Spirit coming, even to churches who've never known there's a Holy Spirit. And we who have actually lived with him and walked with him have to make sure we don't become the older brother and really arrogant and saying, hey, we've had him for a long time. What took you so long? Because that arrogance will actually turn doors aside and the father's going to go like, you've already been with me. It's going to be like the older brother syndrome. So we need to deal with the hearts and not act like an older brother, but actually act like a father who, who welcomes people into a revelation. Okay? So no, we haven't even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. And as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the power of the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. And I'll move on in a second here, but I just want to pick up on a few things. What was it they were, they specifically, they had people of faith. What I want to tell you is this. When God encounters you, he's never going to shame you, guilt you for the level of faith you've had if you've stewarded. These guys had stewarded the level of faith and revelation they had about Jesus. They were actually in good standing, but God sends Paul to them because he's saying, now they're ready for more. They need to have more, not because they've been in lack, but they need to have more because the world, the transformation of Ephesus cannot be done without the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's the chief spirit, and that's the only spirit that can knock down the demonic spirits. And so he comes to this place, and he, and he takes them from a place of one level of revelation, takes them into a deeper level of revelation. So today, wherever you're at in your walk with Jesus, don't fall into the danger of comparison that says, well, I'm not like where they're at, and I'm not like, like them, so I must be a schmuck in the kingdom. No, you're not, okay? Don't fall into orphan thinking. You're not responsible for somebody's level of revelation and maturity. You're responsible for you, okay? And so just in a moment, I just felt like there was, there's been this apprehension as we've released prophetic words in this house or even in the body of Christ overall that says there's going to be more, there's going to be a move of the power of the Holy Spirit. And what I sensed in the Spirit was is there was a bunch of Christians who kind of had this, oh gosh, am I going to be left out? Or am I able, capable of doing it? It was just like that, oh my gosh, I don't, I, I think that's true, but I, I don't know if I can do that. And what I want to tell you right now, it's not about what you can do, it's what he does. Okay? Just, here's what, but here's what was required. Remember what Paul, I mean, Jesus said, this is the only act that's required of you. Believe in the one whom he sent, meaning Jesus. Okay? And it's the same thing. Paul goes, points it right back to Jesus. Here's the revelation of Jesus. There's more. Here's the promise of the Spirit. And what it was is their heart willing to say, hey, we will continue to repent Here's the problem I have with heavy repentance that focuses on sin. Because this talks about it. John's repentance, John's baptism had to do with repentance. Change the way you think. A turning away from the sinful nature of man. Well, here, outside of Jesus, it doesn't matter how many times you turn away from sin. If you don't have Jesus, you go, your sin nature goes with you. You have to meet Jesus to where that sin nature is taken off of you because that's what happens so you can go to another level 
of sonship. You can go to another level of sainthood and what that looks with them. And so when we're in this place of it's not just about the repentance from dead works, dead things. How many people understand that Jesus paid for sin on the cross? It's dead. How many people committed a sin in the last two weeks? I did. I'm not proud of it, but I did. But guess what? That's still a dead thing. It's okay to say, Lord, that was out of line. But it brings me into this place of alignment with his heart, not shame about what happened. See, repentance is to cause you to think like Jesus, not just think bad things about yourself or think bad things about what you did. This is about a turn of heart that starts to think like Jesus. So John's baptism required repentance from sin. But what I'm going to tell you is this. The kingdom repentance, it's not just about giving up sin. It's about giving up everything. You were never meant to be in the first place. It's a higher bar. It's going to require you to say, everything I've learned up to this point in my life about Jesus, that's amazing and that's good, and yet there's another repentance coming saying, and yet that's not the pinnacle. There's more revelation of who Jesus is to me. And so I need to be willing to be teachable. I need to be hungry. I need to be willing to continue to pursue him. Matthew says this when Jesus is speaking, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what? Righteousness. Notice he didn't say knowledge, degrees, Bible studies. The righteousness of who he is, do you hunger for that? the righteousness of the plan he has for you, the righteousness of his love towards you, the righteousness of his mercy towards you, the righteousness of his right way of thinking towards you, repentance coming into alignment, hunger and thirst for who he is, and the kingdom's going to come to you. So it says this, there was 12 men and all the Holy Spirit came on them, and notice that it was a Holy Spirit move, and then Paul laid hands on them. Verse 8, Then Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about sin. Is that what it says? What does it say? This is important. Yes, repentance from sin. We have to turn, but at some point we got to grow up, people. And stop repenting from dead things and come into a revelation of the rule and the reign of God. Because let me tell you what the rule and reign of God does. It kills sin. If my focus is on his rule, his reign, sin has no place to rule or to reign. And so Paul comes into this place, and look what he again. I'm going to read it. Paul goes to the synagogue. Let me hear you say the synagogue. He goes to the Jewish church. He goes to the place of, of learning, of gathering together of believers and of people. And, and so some of the, the messianic believers, because we know this in the church at, at, in Jerusalem, they still went to the temple and worshipped every single day. And there was Jews that were coming to still do sacrifices, but they came and they were still showing up for public worship in the same place. So Paul goes into this place and he begins to argue with them. He be, and, and this is not actually a good word saying argue. What he's saying is it's more along, it's a persuading them, going like, hey, it's a pleading. If I enter in before the court and I enter in a pleading before a judge, okay, I'm not arguing with the judge, but I'm presenting an argument, I'm presenting a case before the judge of why my case should win. And this is what Paul did. He's coming, he's saying, hey, there's a superior court here. 
There's a superior kingdom here. There's a superior reality than what you understood from the law of Moses, of what you understood even in your last church. There's something that's happening here, and he begins to argue persuasively about the kingdom of God. And look what happens in verse 9. But some became stubborn, rejecting his message and publicly speaking against the way. How many people know we weren't Christians initially? We were the people of the way. Because it's a way of living. It's a way of life. It's a way of submission. It's a way of loving. It's not about an organization. It's not an entity. It's a way. It says, but people became stubborn, rejected his message, publicly speaking against the way. So Paul left the synagogue, I want you to hear this, and took the believers with him. Then he held daily discussions at the lecture hall of Tyrannus. Other translations say the school of Tyrannus. This went on for the next two years so that the people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. And Paul gave, God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles with handkerchiefs or aprons that, that merely touched his skin, were placed on sick people, they were healed of their disease, and evil spirits were expelled. Let me hear you say evil spirits were expelled. Remember the place where it says in the Bible that God actually paves his roads with gold? The very thing we think is precious here on the earth, he uses his pavement up there. God, God doesn't need our things, our wealth, in order to be able to bless people. He just needs our obedience. Paul didn't preach, say, hey, come wipe the sweat off my brow with, my, with your handkerchief and go take it to your sick person. He didn't say that. People activated in faith, son, there's something here. I need to bring something tangible that's been in heaven. Paul had been in heaven. Do you understand this? But more importantly, heaven was in him. Are you born again? Say, I am. So you actually have heaven in you. It's not about getting to a place. It's actually the place that's in you, the person in you, actually carrying out his kingdom around you. And this is what was happening. So whatever they touched, the place they'd spent in intimacy, the place they'd spent in worship and, and devotion to him, they'd sought first the kingdom. And even a handkerchief actually could heal somebody because in the presence of the king, it actually carries the glory with it. And so there's something about what God was doing. But I want you to pick up on this. It was when stubborn people rejected the message of the kingdom. Notice this. They did reject Jesus. But more importantly, they rejected the message of the kingdom of God. And Paul goes, all right, I've pleaded with you in this old wineskin for long enough. It's time to go find the place that we can actually pour out the new wine of the kingdom. And he left the old thing behind, the people that were scoffers, the people that were speaking publicly against him and said, I don't have to argue with anymore. I'm just going to release you, and I'm going to take people who believe into a next realm. And because of that, look, I'm going to read this again. Look what it says here. Verse 10. This went on for the next two years so that people throughout the what? Province of Asia. It's a continent. Paul is speaking only in Ephesus, only in a small lecture hall, daily, talking about the kingdom, the spirit being poured out. Signs, miracles, and wonders continue because when the kingdom shows up, those are the things that happen. But what ended up happening over the next two years, people all throughout Asia, the whole of Asia began to hear, both Greeks and Jews, 
the power of the gospel. They heard the word of the Lord. Who was taking it to them? The people who listened to Paul, who were teachable, who became the word, and they went out from that place. See, God was strategic to pick Ephesus. How many people um, that when they, when they migrated to the United States, start, but they saw York, but they might have ended up in the mountains, or they might end up in Texas, or they might have ended somewhere else, but they started in a port city, they were touched by something, and they carried that message. It's the same thing with Ephesus. Ephesus was a port city. God speaks, picks them specifically and say, I'm going to have you preach the kingdom here for two years so that I can reach all of Asia, and Paul doesn't go to all of Asia. Not yet. He goes to some different places. Do you hear what I'm saying? But it was people who allowed, they received the word of God. They did not reject the word. They did not become stubborn. They said, there is more to, to God than what I've ever lived before, and I'm not going to live in an old wineskin. So I said what I said is I believe that God's going to visit the church. There's a shaking in the church that's taking place. In Hebrews chapter 12, we talked about the beginning of COVID. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken so that only the unshakable kingdom can be established. Read it in the end of Hebrews chapter 12 sometime. I encourage you to do that. Everything that can, our belief in government, our belief in entertainment, our belief in media, our belief, there's not one single thing, even the family's been shooken, not one single thing has remained unshooken by events in these last two years. For what purpose? God wasn't bored and says, let me shake him up so I can laugh at him. He wasn't mad saying, all these sinful people, let me just shake them up until they throw up. That's not what he was doing. He's saying, let me shake up the things that have been ruling and reigning inside of their life so that the only option they have is my kingdom. He wants to establish the kingdom within you. And so you have to be able to be willing to come to this place and say, Lord, there's nothing else that rule, rule, and reign in my life. You got, I was going to use another euphemism. Why not? It's immature, but who cares? Poo or get off the pot. If you're religious, that probably offends you. It's okay. My wife is going, oh, God. If you can think of a better euphemism, you come tell me afterwards. Sense of urgency. Get rid of the stuff. That's the reason I'm using it. Get rid of the stuff and stop playing church. And I'm preaching to the choir because y'all do, do this. But I want to encourage you, there's more. When Papa Jack, my spiritual dad, went to heaven last year, he told me, there's more to come, son. What I've experienced in my 86 years of the kingdom pales in comparison to what God's about to do on the earth. And, and he, he, he was wanting to live to 100 because he wanted to see it. But he's seeing it because he's a part of the great cloud of witnesses. But he's seeing it from a different perspective. There's more, but Jack was hungry for more. Are you hungry for more? Are you willing to reject religion? Are you willing to reject old things? Are you willing to reject the things that have tied you up in bondage? And give yourself freely to the kingdom. Are you? I'm not saying it for effect. It's decision-making time. It's Joshua. Choose whom today whom you're going to serve, because whoever you serve will rule you. And if you say, I'm not going to follow God, 
Well, you'll be ruled by your choices. You want to know why there's going to be a great deception that actually where people fall away from the gospel, fall away from the church? They're going to be exactly like these people. They're going to become stubborn in heart and reject the rule and reign of God in their life, and they will fall away. It's very simple. We start saying, well, there's the Antichrist, and here's the 666, and here's the economy. And this. Don't get caught up in that stuff. Get caught up in his rule and his reign. I don't, I'm not worried about the Antichrist because I've got the Christ. <laughs> let's bring out the charts and let's bring the... Make, come on, we don't need... We, imagine if you received healing today and you told your testimony and somebody on the other side of the planet got healed and it started a revival. That's what happened here. Let's go to verse 13. Y'all okay? I want y'all to be encouraged. Before I go on this, what was it that Jesus hoped he would find when he comes back? Faith. When I come back, will there be faith in the earth? Faith in what? Faith in him. Not faith in money, not faith in education, not faith in anything else. It's faith in, I'm just, I feel like the Lord is, is presenting us with a holy moment today that would cause you to repent. I can't get off that word of repentance. Change the way you think. Change the way you're possible. I've had multiple people in the last two months, I've gotten the same word. You're not dreaming big enough. You're not thinking big enough. You're not asking big enough. I'm like, God, Lord, I've dreamed pretty big with him. And I'm like, I go back to him, Lord. I believe that you could do infinitely more than my ass, think, or imagine. And yet he keeps sending people who are prophetic in my life who love me and who I know are hearing from the Lord saying, yeah, you're still not, still not thinking big enough. And I've already got dreams for New Braunfels. I had dreams about this whole entire region from San Antonio to North Austin being radically changed by the kingdom where the predominant name that's lifted up is Jesus and not as a curse word and not as a religious word, but in surrender and in glory and in, and in praise saying, Jesus healed me, Jesus saved me, Jesus set me free. That that, I mean, I see this happening in our region. I believe it with everything, that I will see it. And God's saying, and that's still too small. Remember Randy Clark? If you know who he is, Global Awakening, he's like another papa in the, to us as a house. And he says, God just wants to use the little o me's. Have you ever thought, well, what about little o me? What can Jesus do with little o me? He's like, yep, he can do infinitely than you can ask, think, or imagine. You're probably the most significant one in the kingdom to him. Let's look at verse 13. It says, a group of Jews was traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. Let me just unpack this real quick, because there's two thoughts. I read through a lot of different commentaries, um, just to kind of look at that. And there's two prevailing schools of thought of why was there a group of, and, and this is they're casting out, they were Jewish exorcists um, who believed they had the power to cast out demons. And if you go back to Solomon, Solomon was the wisest man that had ever lived. He had, he had revelation uh, of who God was in the, in the kingdom of God at a level where not even the devil can mess with it. 
And I think his father's friends who would eventually provide all the cedar for the, for the temple for Solomon. I mean, for, for the temple. And he goes this, um, God has given me peace on every side. My dad spent the entirety of his life in war, but God in my lifetime has given me peace on every side, so much so there's not even an adversary or an occurrence of evil. It's amazing. There's not even an adversary or an occurrence of evil. What's that word for adversary is the Hebrew word for Satan. It says there's something that's happening inside of Jerusalem. According to the old covenant, this is what's amazing to me, that Satan doesn't have a foothold or a stronghold in the hearts and the minds of the people whatsoever. There's not even an occurrence of evil taking place in the kingdom of Israel. And that's because he had revelation and wisdom about the kingdom in an old covenant. And so there's some that would propose that these guys kind of came out of that. They had some sort of secret knowledge. I don't think that's true. Others will talk about this. They were probably scam artists that were going from place to place. Their dad was a Jewish priest, but they knew the spiritual language. They knew how to actually use certain incantations, is specifically the word it uses in the, in the old King James, is, is, is incantations. And so they had this ability to bargain with and play with the devil, kind of like Simon the sorcerer, if you understand that story in Acts, whenever Philip goes to Samaria and the Samaritans receive the gospel of Jesus. And uh, Simon the sorcerer used to be able to trick them. He, he knew how to actually do things with the demonic spirits and make them do what he wanted to do. And then when, when Peter shows up and he prays for the Holy Spirit to fall upon them, and he's amazed and he asks to buy the power of the Holy Spirit so that he would have authority. I mean, this is the type of thing is like the mixing of Christianity with paganism. And if you look what's going on in our nation, there's a mixture that's taking place in a lot of different ways. But look what that leads us to. Verse 13, a group of Jews, exorcists, were going from town to town, casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, Well, I know Jesus, I know Paul, but who the heck are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leapt on them, overpowered them, attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. Here's what I want you to pick up on. It's not just that they were trying to use the name of Jesus. It's that they were doing this before this happened, which tells me God was actually honoring the name of Jesus and people were getting set free, even though these guys were far from God. But it says, one time, the Spirit goes, I ain't buying your crap. Who are you? Right? Like, what authority do you have? I know Jesus. I know Paul, who you're talking about, but who appearance of godliness and let it work for a period of time because God heals people because he loves people. God sets people free because he loves people, not because you're the greatest deliverance minister in the history of the world. Your heart could be so far from God, but he could honor in a moment, this person needs to get set free. The name of Jesus is released, and the, and the person actually gets set free. But it has nothing to do with the person doing it. How many people understand, even when we lay hands on the sick, it has nothing to do with the person that laid hands on the sick. Other than them being a conduit in obedience. 
all the glory to Jesus in this moment. And so what I'm talking about goes back to this. It's the turning of the page. There was a season where certain things were tolerated in the kingdom of God because the mercy of God was being poured out on a greater level. And now the Lord's saying, I've shooken everything that can be shaken. Now it's time to shake the church. I've shooken every aspect of your society. Now I'm going to shake my church to purify it so that there is no mixture. There's no orphans running around, running the ship. It's going to come into this place where you cannot play patty cake with demons anymore. I love you guys. I hope, I hope you understand this is a word of encouragement. You might not have a demon manifesting to you. But let me tell you what. What's the one thing that makes you afraid more than anything else? There's probably a demon behind it. What makes you anxious? I'm not talking about physiologically. You have a, some chemical stuff that's, that, that you have a tendency to be anxious. I'm not talking about that. What are some things where you're just abnormally anxious? The root of it's probably demonic. How do I know this? I haven't given you a spirit of fear. Fine. So when we're talking about this, what I'm just telling you is, if you've learned to cope with demonic things around you, let me tell you what, if you go to Africa right now, they believe the supernatural is real. Because their whole religious system for generations has been, born, has been born in the supernatural realm, the demonic supernatural realm, but it's been in the supernatural realm. They don't have a problem when somebody starts manifesting. They're like, oh, of course there's a demon. The church doesn't freak out about that. We in America, because we, we have this thing about the mind, but I'll tell you what, the greatest manifestation of a demonic mindset is the fact that you would actually shut down the move of the Holy Spirit. What is God calling you to lay down? In fact, let's just stop here right now for a moment. Why don't you close your eyes? And I, I want you to ask this question, Holy Spirit, would you just reveal yourself to me right now? Say, Holy Spirit, the rule and reign of you in my life. Now, say where you're at. I ask the question. Think of the thing that you're most afraid of that brings you anxiety, brings you tension points, and you thought it was a soul thing. And ask the Holy Spirit, what's the root of that? And here's what I see the Lord doing right now. You just said by an act of your will, you're submitting to the Lordship of Jesus. So if you're wanting to go to the deeper level, the next level, you're done with mixture, I just want you to make this declaration. As an act of my will, in the name of Jesus, I break all agreements I've made with that thing. And I come into full agreement with the righteousness of the kingdom. As you're sitting there, I don't know if how many of you felt a shift 
Raise your hand. Yeah. Okay. So stay in this place. Now come, Holy Spirit, and fill the place that that old thing was filling. It was a thought. It was a belief. Say right now, I reject the spirit of fear, and I receive the Holy Spirit that brings me dynamite power. Shoo. That brings me unconditional love. And gives me the mind of Jesus. Now look at me. That's what you do. Do you want a handkerchief? Take what I just prayed over you, just taught you. Go use that as a handkerchief. Because tomorrow morning, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be at work. Somebody's going to be freaking out. And say, I got a handkerchief for that. Don't tell them that it's a handkerchief. They'll look at you like you're crazy. And say, can I, can I pray for you? I used to struggle with that. God took that from me. And now he gave me a power of love and a sound mind and, and told me I actually can pray the same thing over people. Can I pray for you? Guess what's going to happen? The city of New Braunfels will suddenly not be anxious. The city of New Braunfels will suddenly not be hurting and broken. Suddenly they'll come into a revelation of who Jesus really is. Or Bolverde or Spring Branch or Austin or San Marcos or Seguin or Schertz or Cibolo or San Antonio, wherever God sends you. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's not just about New Braunfels. Look what it says in verse 17. The story of what happened spread quickly all throughout Ephesus to Jews and Greeks alike. A solemn fear descended on the city, and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. The New American Standard says the name of Jesus was being magnified. Verse 18, many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A number of them who had been practicing the value of the book were several million dollars. So the message about the Lord spread widely and a powerful, had a powerful effect. Again, the New American Standard says the word of the Lord was growing mightily and was prevailing everywhere that it went. Let me hear you say prevailing. So here's why I want you to understand this. I'm not calling for a public bonfire. Paul never stood up and said, hey, bring me your incantation books. Two o'clock tomorrow, we'll show up here and we'll set the thing on fire. That's the way you get set free. No, no, no. They got set free. And because they had cut their heart off from all the things that used to influence them, they're going, why do I need this garbage anymore? It was the overflow of the heart that actually was the, was the demonstration when we baptized people. It, the baptism's not saving people. It's, it's already happened. It, it's, the, it's the overflow of the encounter they had with Jesus, and it's this powerful testimony saying the old man died, the new one's here. 
Do you hear what I'm saying? It's like you need to begin to examine your heart and your life right now. What do you got to shred? What do you got to burn? What do you got to turn over to the Lord? What do you got to throw away? Maybe it's physical things, but how many people doesn't start with the physical? It starts with here. What old thought do you got to burn? What old lie that you've been believing needs to be shredded by the love of Jesus? Come on now. What old identity that you've been operating on needs to be demolished? Colossians, it says this, we've been given weapons that are mighty for warfare, for tearing down strongholds, right? This is spiritual strongholds in the region, but first the stronghold you got to tear down is what's been having influence in your own heart. The season has shifted. What was once merciful the previous season is actually unacceptable tolerance. Tolerance of old things will actually have devastating consequences. I'm here to give you the word of the Lord today. Not to scare you, but that the fear of the Lord would come upon you. You know what the fear of the Lord is? Awe and wonder. I've been giving you a spirit of fear, which is terror, right? But of power, love, and a sound mind, and the result is going to be you really are the God of the universe. You really are who you say you are. You really do provide the way you say you do. You really are that good. You really are that loving. What demonic spirit out there actually stands a chance when the love of God hits my life and I walk out of here and I begin to love with the power of God? That's the point. The whole city had the fear of the Lord fall on it. And the name of Jesus was magnified. If you read through revival history in, in Azusa Street, it happened throughout that whole area. Like, like people, uh, it, because they were the byproduct actually of the Welsh revival, but, but the jails began to empty because people were getting radically saved. Hospitals began to be empty because people were being radically healed. Like there was people in the, in the Welsh revival, literally they'd be in the church house praying, people accept Jesus. And as they began to leave, the ones that didn't go to church that night, who wanted nothing to do with the gospel, they, they know this because they got their testimonies, who wanted nothing to do with what God was doing in the church house. When the people of God left because they had surrendered to his lordship and they began to go home and they're like, why are the smiths bowing down on the floor? Like they would go home and people were laid down in the, in the streets and wells. Because the power of God had fallen in the church house. And the reverberation was through the city that the fear of the Lord hit the city. That's why there's no political solution to our problems. We need to vote, yes. But if your heart's far from him, it won't matter what you vote for. You've already voted in your heart. You hear what I'm saying? What if before November and the elections, the city of New Braunfels, the state of Texas, the United States had the fear of the Lord fall upon it? And the name of Jesus was magnified once again in America? Not because we were telling them to turn or burn, but because we are burning in passionate love for him? I want people to turn and burn. You know why? Flip the script a little bit. When I'm burning in passion for Jesus, that's a good burning because God is an all-consuming 
fire. That is good news. When you're caught up in addiction, you don't need a 12-step program. You need the power of God to touch you. When you've got cancer, and look, my, my mom had to go through a surgery, but guess what? She went into it knowing Jesus loved her. She came out of it knowing Jesus loved her, and the cancer is no longer there. It's not a second-class healing. The point of the matter was the heart. When people die untimely deaths, they need the power of resurrection to show up. What do you believe? What do you believe? Cornelius, will you get up and play for me? Why don't you all stand up with me? Here's what I'm just going to ask. Would you just prepare your hearts as a sacrifice to the Lord in this moment. Just forget a moment the people around you and worrying about what they're going to think or not think. The Lord told me to, to release a baptism of all today. That reverberated in the room. <laughs> when the Spirit of God comes, He's coming to take over and to empower us. So it's right where you're at right now. It's Turn your affections of your heart to Jesus. Just thank Him for becoming you in your sin on the cross so that it could be dealt with once and forever. For all time and eternity, it's dealt with. If it wasn't dealt with, they wouldn't say in Revelations, may the lamb get the rewards of his sacrifice. Because he dealt with it once. So Jesus, we just turn our attention to you. We turn our affections to you, Lord God. And Lord, I just release right now spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. It's your Holy Spirit to touch every person right where they're at right now. But I'm just going to be obedient. Father, send your spirit and baptize us in awe. Baptize us in the fear of the Lord.
in Jesus right now. Do business with Jesus. If you're, if you're sitting there now or standing there now and you've never accepted and made Jesus the Lord of your life, do it now. All you got to do is I say, I believe it all. <laughs> and I give my heart to you. Would you just come, Holy Spirit? Fill us, Lord God. I just feel like what the Lord's doing right now in the room, there's too many of you to go lay hands on. But the Lord's saying in this invitation to what Paul asked the believers in Ephesus, what have you been baptized into? Their response is, what was the baptism repentance from sin? how many people understand that's good that's a step but what I saw in the room is there's going to be some I came from a Baptist background or a Catholic background or a Lutheran background or non-denom like you came from you were baptized into a faith and the Lord's saying oh did you know there's more not that what you had was bad or wrong just that there's more. So Holy Spirit, would you come and move? Come upon us, come in us, rearrange us. Every thought that doesn't line up with you, confront it so it can be transformed. Every belief that we have that does not line up with who you are, King Jesus. We repent of it now. We only want to agree with you. It's going to go after this one. If you've been born again, and yet you still believe you have a sin nature, it's time to repent of that lie. 2 Corinthians 5.17 the old is past, the new has come. You've been transformed into a new creation. So let's knock down those lies right now in the name of Jesus. May the fear of the Lord begin to enter into hearts right now. the name of Jesus be magnified. Come Holy Spirit. This is all family right now, so I'm just feeling like some, the Lord is asking some of you that, that you really need to come to the altar so you could just, as an act of surrender, you could come leave something at the altar.
search my heart You've searched my mind that's the standard that you set Jesus that you don't just leave people where they're at when they come to you but that every person that's ever come to you has left you transformed when they've given their heart over to you and so right now Lord God just the faithfulness Lord God that people coming forward and right where they're at it wasn't about even coming forward it's about the surrender I just release right now the peace of God that's beyond your ability to understand, to guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Thank you, God, that you're transforming our hearts right now. We can't go back to where we came from. We don't want to go back to where we came from. Where you go, I'll go. We just commit our hearts to following the King of the Kingdom. Would you just increase increase us now in awe and wonder of who you are? And I just release right now an impartation of accelerated kingdom understanding. increase of kingdom anointing. Precise articulation of the things of God. I release dreams and visions. I just declare that the ears of your people are open, so speak. I just declare the eyes of your people are opened. So reveal to us your glory. And I declare that our hearts belong to you. So release to us the heartbeat of you. Just thank you for what you're doing right now. Come, Holy Spirit. Here's what we're going to do. I just feel like the Lord wanted to finish with doing business 
Mass Cornelia, if you don't mind playing for a little bit. Um, I know our connection team has a luncheon after this. But what I am going to ask is if you, the Lord's touching your heart, don't leave here yet. Let him finish what he's doing. You'll know when. If you need somebody to pray for you or with you, our altar team ministry will be up here. Otherwise, take somebody to lunch with you. So I just bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus for greater and greater things. And we declare this in Jesus' name and all God's people say. Thank you so much for joining us as we seek first after God's kingdom and release it to transform lives and cities. If you would like more information about how to grow in the kingdom or connect with Legacy, go to our website, www.legacynb.com.